Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Monday edition of the show underway. What a weekend. College football is near. The IU Basketball Fan Fest. Uh, a lot of events in Bloomington over the three-day weekend as well, or three-day day period, I should say, as well. And a big Friday night, uh, week one of high school football across the area as well. So lots to get to today here in this Monday edition of our program. Let's take a look at the show lineup, a service of Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Segment one, we're actually going to have Zach Osterman with of the Indianapolis Star here in just a moment. He's at Memorial Stadium, has a football media availability coming up a little bit later in the hour, so he's going to join us in segment one today. Later in the show, we'll have uh, news and notes and headlines from over the weekend, a ton of stuff to get to from both the IU basketball event on Saturday, or the I should say the NIL event on Saturday for IU basketball, uh, and also high school football from Friday night. We want to go through some of the big results and time top performers there as well. And then later in the show, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board Member, former basketball coach in the area. He joins us for his weekly segment on local sports as well. That's the show lineup, a service of Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honeybake Tam in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line is open, 502 502- 414-1450-502-414-1450. Zach Osterman with us right now. Zach, thanks for chatting a little earlier today so we can get you into that IU football press conference here in just a bit. But a busy weekend and a really fun time coming up because college football is just weeks away. And I guess as you head into this Monday and the press conference today, the big question remains, who is going to be IU's starting quarterback when week one arrives against Illinois? Yeah, you can hear behind me. I think they're just wrapping up practice right now. Um, when we talked to Tom Allen on Friday after uh, their second preseason scrimmage, I think their only other preseason scrimmage, like like in terms of full-on, the only thing they're doing is, is just, you know, up and down the field scrimmage work. He said they did not have a starting quarterback. He's obviously confirmed that he won't announce it um, before week one or before uh, kickoff against Illinois, but that at that moment in time, the decision had not been made one way or another. Um, I would expect that if it hasn't been made by now, it will be made very soon because he, he is always, Alan has always kind of said he wanted the timeline of that to essentially be coming out of the second scrimmage, wanting to have a decision made. 
so he can announce it to the whole team so that the guy that he, he picks as his number one can be, you know, the one getting all the, uh, all the, the first team reps and those different sorts of things. So I would expect if they don't have one right now, um, they will very, very soon. We just won't know who it is unless, of course, you know, some enterprising fellow such as myself um, manages to find out. Um, but I suspect Indiana will be able to keep it pretty well under wraps, whether it's Connor Bazelak or Jack Tuttle, uh, until September 4th against Illinois. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star with us. I, I don't, we don't have a lot of time today, so I want to transition to basketball. The Fan Fest uh, was Saturday night, an NIL opportunity for uh, the players to make some money off of attendance. And there were tickets, I understand, as cheap as $5 all the way up to maybe around $200 or so, depending on uh, where you wanted to sit at. Bob, the photos and videos I saw, uh, I'm going to guesstimate 2,500 people or so in attendance for the event on Saturday night. Your takeaway from what you saw, what you heard, what you know about Saturday night, and uh, an NIL opportunity for the IU players. Yeah, so I was there Sunday. I wasn't actually there Saturday because I was doing something with my wife. My understanding is they they sold, anyway, uh, about 5,000, a little over 5,000 tickets for the FanFest event, which they said was up about two thousand from where they were the previous year. Obviously, it, you know, you, you, you not doesn't mean everyone gets uh, puts a, a butt in a seat. But I think the the broader weekend seemed very well received, and I like the way Eric Pankowski sort of described it um, when I talked to him because I think that the Fan Fest last year, you know, it was the first time anybody done anything like that. It was, you know, I don't want to say it was thrown together in haste, but there was a lot we didn't understand about how do you do these events when it's not the athletics department putting them on, but you've got to organize it through a third party and, you know, certain people can be involved, but certain people can't be involved. And even now, like the coaches could not come to the scrimmage on Saturday. If they were there, then they would technically have, because the coaches are watching, they'd have to count that as practice time and off season, you know, a certain kind of off season workout, et cetera. Um, so I think that this year was definitely a more sort of, you know, it was sort of like do it last year and then take the, take what you learned, what you liked, what you didn't, and move it forward. And I think one of the big differences this year was the timing. It was August when, um, when, when Indiana was, IU, I should say, is just coming back into school. Students are coming back. Um, it's, it's a lot quieter in terms of the players haven't started practice yet. You know, one of basically what Eric said is he wanted it to feel a little bit like spring training. You know, he, wa- he wanted it to feel like, this is a celebration of IU basketball at a time when basketball season is close enough that everybody's kind of excited about it, but far enough away that nobody's too stressed yet. You know, players aren't in practice. Nobody's thinking about that first game, et cetera. Um, and obviously it's not a recruiting opportunity in the way Hoosier hysteria is. So you also don't have that element of it, you know, there being a kind of a big distraction to one side. And so I think in that sense, it seemed to go very, very well. It seemed to be very well received. Um, and I think this is something that, that in all likelihood, um, you know, provided NIL kind of keeps moving in the direction everyone expects it to, uh, is going to stay kind of on the, on the annual schedule here and, and, you know, maybe get moved around a little bit, maybe get tweaked a little bit. You're always learning a little bit more, but I think it was well received. And again, I think it's just a, an interesting piece of NIL because in the last 15, 20 years of social media and different message boards, things like that. Athletics departments have, have just kind of tended to try and close the curtain more and more as time has gone on and, and, you know, kind of build 
walls between basically the department and its teams and, and even just fans at times. And I think NIL is allowing those walls to be broken down a little bit more in ways that I think our, our you know, fans really enjoy, but potentially I think are also beneficial to athletes. Now, Zach, if you were there Sunday, uh, that was what a youth basketball camp uh, organized uh, or using the IU women's players. That was their way to be involved in some of this. Is that correct? Sorry, I had you on mute there. Forgive me. I think it's a little windy out here. That's okay. No problem. Um, yes. No, that is um, basically that, 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 I think some, something between like 80 and 100 kids, I think around 100 kids signed up and between 80 and 100 kids kind of there. Because, again, you know, sometimes people can't make it or whatever. But, um, yeah, so a way to involve – I think basically the goal was just to expand out everything. You know, last year was basically just the fan fest. And I don't believe they had um, engaged this this company, uh, Pro Camps, which basically puts on you know puts on these sorts of events, uh, fan fest events, fantasy camp events, things like that. So it was just an attempt to to obviously engage everyone kind of in both basketball programs and, and build energy around both programs. It was also, um, I think, really a uh, just kind of an attempt to, to build out all these different sorts of opportunities, both for fans and for, um, for the athletes. Cause you also had the, like I said, you had the fantasy camp, there was a golf outing, just kind of all sorts of things. Just again, I think their intent was just sort of the weekend celebrating IU basketball before we get to a point in the season where everybody's, you know, everybody's kind of got that one nervous eye twitching toward, uh, opening day. So I think it, it, it certainly all was in intention to kind of involve everyone but it was also, I think, just intention to try and be something that allowed everybody to kind of relax and have some fun with it as well. Absolutely. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, we're going to let you go so you can get to football and uh, the media availabilities here on this Monday. Next week we'll talk uh, more football with you as we uh, get closer and closer to IU Illinois. Thanks for the quick chat to start our Monday program this week. Thanks for having me, as always. Thanks for moving me up, too. Absolutely. Zach Osterman with us, abbreviated and in segment number one today. So we are shifting some things around here in our Monday program. But more on FanFest. I was not there on Saturday. I talked with a number of uh, media folks that were there. And the scrimmage game, uh, it was eight minutes, and then they finished with an Elam ending, which you've heard me talk about if you listen to this program on a regular basis, a lot like the TBT Million Dollar Tournament that wrapped up uh, a few weeks ago in Dayton. Um, it very much, um, I don't want to say lazy, as I described the play on Saturday, but uh, again, an all-star game-like scrimmage. There was some on-the-ball defense, some token defense, but nothing crazy. Obviously, the coaches, I'm sure, gave very clear instructions about what they wanted to see and not see as far as getting into it. And I know it's probably hard for the players because you've been working all summer uh, behind closed doors, and uh, you finally have some fans and a good throng of fans there for this type of activity. And so you want to show off. You want to you want to show your abilities. You want to have some fun. You probably got some extra adrenaline running through you 
with fans in the stands, but it very much was kind of a token all-star scrimmage. Uh, and if you're curious, just some of the things. Trace Jackson Davis uh, led all scores. He had 14 points. He was on the red team, which lost 31-25 to the white team uh, on Saturday evening. Uh, Jalen hood uh multiple people told me that he looked good. He was aggressive. He had some steals, uh, had a dunk. He had seven points. Tamar Bates won the three-point contest with 19 three-pointers. So that, uh, obviously, there's no defense in a three-point contest, but that is, I think, encouraging. He is a player that I think everybody agrees, if Indiana is going to be a Big Ten caliber championship team, uh, that needs to take some major steps in year two. He came in with a lot of praise as a big-time five-star high school recruit and had some moments last year where he was good, but never got the Tamar Bates that I think some of us thought maybe even as a freshman we would get. But year two, uh, again, it could be a big one for him, and I think needs to be a big one for Indiana uh, if they're going to reach the uh, the heights that some expect him to. But overall, it sounds like a good event. On Saturday, there was a golf scramble on Friday. There was a youth clinic involving the IU women's basketball players on Saturday that Zach mentioned. And then throughout the weekend, there was a fantasy camp, which is basically adults for the most part, uh, scrimmaging, playing, getting coached by uh, Trace Jackson Davis and the other IU players. And these fantasy camps, I know some people here locally that have, uh, have been to a lot of them across the country, Kentucky and North Carolina, Duke and Kansas, uh, some of these programs have huge fantasy camps for adults where the coaches of that specific university, the players are involved. And now that NIL is a thing, it can kind of be made as a, uh, in some sense, a, a fundraiser or a payday for the college players as opposed for the university or the coach getting some money out of it. I think a lot of it's driven now more toward paying the players. So Indiana getting in on that this year. I know Louisville has a big fantasy camp, uh, and Kentucky, I think, is one of the originals that started these things back a number of years ago. But that also uh, was going on this weekend as well. So you put it all together, and really a big weekend of basketball uh, at Assembly Hall and Cook Hall where some of the festivities took place. And I agree with Zach. I think as NIL is figured out more uh, and becomes more of a normal thing, uh, this Fan Fest has the opportunity with the fan base at Indiana to grow into a really big annual event. You know, we all look forward to Hoosier Hysteria. Uh, it's very short. Uh, it's very similar to some of the things that happen uh, on Saturday night, the scrimmage. Sometimes you don't even get eight minutes with an Elam ending. Sometimes you don't get a scrimmage at all. But it sounds like this Fan Fest could get some legs to it and be around as an annual event to kind of get folks excited about the upcoming season. And I do like that it's in August. It uh, kind of gives some space between now and the season Everybody's focused on football, the kickoff of college football and high school football right now. Uh, but this is kind of a neat event at the end of the summer, at the start of the school year, uh, to get you excited about next season. So let's see where this thing goes. But uh, there's some other takeaways that we'll talk about a little bit later in the program today. Uh, but definitely some uh, some fun moments and uh, some good takeaways from what really was a pretty quick event and a short scrimmage on Saturday night at Assembly Hall. We'll head to 
a commercial break. When we come back, we'll have more headlines. We're kind of flip-flopping things today. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us in the first segment today so he could get to IU football media availabilities. We'll switch that up here in future weeks so he can be with us during his normal time. But more headlines, a look at high school football as well, and some other notes from over the weekend. And still ahead, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director with us. He had a massive crowd on Friday night at the Boneyard in Charlestown. We'll talk about that and a lot more coming up next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday program. A reminder, the Thornton's text line is open. If you've got questions or comments on IU basketball, local sports, whatever you want to talk about, you can send those to 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. It's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. Not a Refreshing Rewards member? Text REWARDS to 80313 today. That's 80313 today. Uh, a couple other notes. Reminder, we had Zach Osterman with us in segment one today, so we're flipping things around a little bit here on the show. Chad Gilbert will join in the next segment. But uh, one other note from FanFest on Saturday night. I mentioned Trace Jackson Davis was the high scorer with 14 points and uh, that Jalen hood Shafino looked good by all accounts. He had seven points for the red team to lead them in a very balanced attack. It was only an eight-minute scrimmage with a, with the Elam ending, but uh, people were raving about his abilities and just how he looks out on the court. Hard to take any big uh, conclusive things away from such a short scrimmage, but uh, I think Jalen hood Shafino is going to be a contributor right out of the gate this year. That's maybe one of the things I am going to take away from what I heard and saw and read uh, from Saturday night's little fan fest. Also, Trey Galloway set out the scrimmage portion of the night, which makes sense. He had surgery back in June, so probably taking it very careful with him right now, especially in something like that, uh, making sure that he's healthy and ready to go uh, when the regular season gets there. But as far as injuries go, uh, by all accounts, nothing else really to note that we could see or be made aware of uh, that was odd or didn't look right on Saturday night except for the fact that 
Galloway did not participate uh, in the scrimmage portion of uh, the event. So that's kind of a final few mentions from the Fan Fest on Saturday night. And again, kudos. It's an NIL opportunity. So uh, again, uh, Zach said he thought 5,000 tickets sold. It sure did not look like 5,000 people were in attendance based on what I saw from videos and photos on Saturday. But if uh, 5,000 paying customers, however that gets divided out through all this, uh, to the players, uh, and they make some money. Uh, it's a new day, and uh, kudos to uh, IU allowing a third party to come in and do something like this. It's a little different to not see the coaches leading the activities and things of that nature. But uh, again, you've got to make things work and stay within the rules that do exist right now for NIL. And Indiana doing that, giving players an opportunity to make some money. And I'm sure for them, again, just to get out in front of the fans for a short period of time after what has to be a really long summer of conditioning and playing and training behind closed doors at Cook Hall and Assembly Hall, that alone was probably just a breath of fresh air. So uh, good stuff from Saturday night. High school football over the weekend. I think my takeaway from that is at Charlestown, as we thought they might be, the team to watch in the area. They absolutely creamed Silver Creek, who has been good in recent years, but it appears is set for a down year uh, this season on Friday night. And the thing that got me about the Charlestown game was the crowd. By all accounts, it was just packed at the Boneyard in Charlestown. New Albany, I was watching that game closely. They got beat by Bloomington South. New Albany lost a lot from last year, but returned some interesting pieces and a new face or two. Of course, Jeff, I want to see them as well. They were idle in week one, but uh, Providence uh, ekes out a, a shootout type game. They get the win in uh, in week one, so big stuff for Providence, who's down in 1A now, hoping they can be very competitive year in and year out in that sectional. But overall, a really good week one of high school football. And for me, I think for most of us, it takes a couple weeks to figure out where we're headed. But I know one thing, a big game coming up on Friday, and that is Charlestown. After the win against Silver Creek in the Mid-Southern Conference, they're going to take on another MSC opponent. They go on the road to Brownstown, who got a 53-28 win over Cordon Central to start their season on Friday night. And whoever wins that Charlestown-Brownstown game on Friday is definitely, it appears early on in the driver's seat to win the Mid-Southern Conference Championship. And we said this last week, it came up with Josh Cook, as crazy as it sounds, if Charlestown could muster wins in the rivalry game against Silver Creek and then take on Brownstown Friday and come out with a win, the possibility is there for a undefeated season because there aren't any major challengers the rest of the way uh, the way the schedule shakes out for Charlestown. So uh, that's going to be something to talk about and follow this season, especially if Charlestown can get a win on Friday night. Justin Kalen is here today. He's producing uh, this show here on this Monday, filling in, and he had the call of Charlestown and Silver Creek on our sister station, 94.7 on Friday night. And Justin, you told me before before we went on the air today, that in all your broadcasting around Southern Indiana, the crowd at Charlestown, and we'll talk with Chad Gilbert about this in the next segment, but the crowd outstanding on Friday night, a big-time environment to start the high school football season. Yeah, and I, I, not even just Southern Indiana, Matt, but I did broadcasting in Jacksonville, Florida for five years. Probably, hands down, the biggest crowd I've ever seen. It wasn't just the stadium. All the seats were filled. 
but there were so many chairs, lawn chairs around the field, like just non-paying people that were there to see the game. It was incredible. I mean, there was literally nowhere to park. People were just parking in grass spots. Like, it, it was wild. Yeah, takeaways on Charlestown. I know it's, sometimes it's hard to get a read against a team that maybe is a little lackluster, but uh, the Pirates have a chance, I think, to be the story of the area this season. Yeah, and, and I think expecting going into the season, we, were, we thought it was going to be the offensive unit. You know, you had Clay McClellan coming back, the quarterback, who's really big, by the way. He's, he's going to be a massive player in this area all season long. But it's not just the offense for Charlestown. The defense was really, really good. And, and like you said, that may have something to do with the opponent, who Silver Creek in years past has been really, really good. But they're undoubtedly going to have a down year this year. But the defensive unit, I was just as impressed with them as I was the offense on Friday. You know, sure. I, I love to brag on Southern Indiana as a whole. I love to talk about these rivalry games. I love to talk about the big crowds and the support that some of these schools get, a lot of the schools get, uh, for all their sports. And I've got to tell you, Justin, as I've been around high school football the last seven or eight years on a pretty regular basis, and really going back years beyond that, uh, oftentimes I've been very disappointed in the fan turnouts and the support, Mm -hmm. especially once you get through the first couple weeks. When it's new, when it's fresh, everybody's excited about their team and thinks their team can be pretty good. But after a loss or two, by the time week three, week four gets here, sometimes the crowds just really aren't, especially students, and just not what you would hope for an area where high school sports stu- still generally really seem to matter. So uh, I was just thrilled to see some of the pictures Chad Gilbert sent out Friday from that crowd at Charlestown. Obviously, they're going to have a big year and have a good following all year long. But, uh, you know, fans in Southern Indiana football and, and Southern Indiana football overall, as far as having teams that make deep runs and and win a state championship, we just don't see it very often. Uh, we got New Albany having that little breakthrough last year, which was really a surprise uh, to win the regional, to get to semi-state as they did before losing big to Indianapolis Cathedral. But whenever I see a moment like Friday night, it gives me some hope that Southern Indiana football can be better and can be a big part of the fan experience because it's it's one of the major sports that I'm not sure gets the, uh, the love, at least all season long, that it probably deserves. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's fair to say. I mean, the the attendance absolutely does drop off, which maybe that's why there was such a big crowd at Charlestown because it's week one, and then you couple that on top of with a rivalry game and a rivalry school. Um, so you see good attendance there. But I think overall, in the years past, I feel like I've seen attendance pick up, aside from the COVID year when they were only allowing however many fans in the stadium. But aside from that, I mean, I feel like I've seen attendance pick up. And like I said, Friday night was just electric. I mean, you had – the students chirping back and forth in the pregame. I mean, there were, if I had to guess, there were a thousand students for each Charlestown and Silver Creek on Friday. So really impressive. And one one funny anecdote, I was using the restroom before the game and there was a kid in there from Silver Creek. There was a cricket in the wall that was chirping. And he looks at his buddy and he goes, you hear that cricket? That's going to be Charlestown student section. And, <laughs> and I, 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 that's the stuff you just love to see on Friday nights, you know? Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Week one, I kind of covered some of the winners and losers. Charlestown highlighted week one football, but uh, Clarksville also with a big 41-14 win over Scottsburg. Probably the game of the night definitely was Providence, a shootout-type ball game. It ended with Providence getting some space there at the end, 48-36 winners over 
over Bethlehem High School from down in Bardstown, Kentucky. Floyd Central, they took their annual beating by Louisville Mail, 42-7 the final. But Coach Bragg told us last Monday night that's the last time that those two teams are going to open the season. Mail, just an absolute power in Kentucky football. And then, of course, New Albany, I mentioned earlier, they were competitive early on but lost 34-14 to a solid Bloomington South team on Friday. Justin, beside Charlestown and how good they caught possibly could be this season. Any other week one takeaways as you think about week two? Yeah, I mean, Clarksville, that was a really good win for them, I thought. they. I mean, they didn't just beat Scottsburg. They destroyed Scottsburg. And then, of course, you mentioned Providence in that shootout. That's, that's good to see them get a win early in the season. I think Bethlehem was, what, number four in the state is what I saw in the state of Kentucky. So, really impressive win by them, especially – by all accounts, they're going to be really young this year. So, I mean, they, they're young, but they have a lot of returning talent. So, I guess you can't really say they're young. They're, they're not inexperienced, I'll say that. So, yeah, Providence-Clarksville, both with really good wins. Uh, I mean, aside from them two, Floyd Central, you, you can't really gauge anything off that game against Mayo. You know, it's, it's, that's, tough. that's such a tough game. I'm glad to hear it's the last year for that. One of the other bummers, uh, Jeffersonville Idol in Week 1. Their game at Bell County, Kentucky was canceled earlier in the summer. And Coach Parker and, and Jeff, they were doing everything they could to try to find somebody to play in Week 1. But you hate to see all the excitement and things get started uh, without the Red Devils. But, Justin, I, I think Jeff has got some new faces. They definitely have some guys back from last year that played key roles. And, of course, they lost some guys to graduation as well. But uh, Jeff is, to me, a sleeper team to watch this year. And uh, we'll see them Friday night when they take on Seymour and really open their season in Week 2 in a Hoosier Hills Conference game. Yeah, I've heard that Jeff is going to be a team to watch out for. I admittedly don't know too much about Jeff. I haven't looked into them too much this season. But I I am really excited to see – what they're able to put on the field. Um, it was a disappointment. They weren't able to play the last couple of weeks. Even in their Jamboree game, they couldn't play. So, yeah, we'll be really interesting to see how Jeff turns out this season. All right, Justin, you got a game for week two. And we probably need to – I tried to help last week. We probably need to remind people that 94.7 yep. will generally be the home for Southern Indiana High School football this season. You've got St. X on the Big X, uh, and so things are changing here a bit for us as well. But uh, for this week, too, what's the uh, what's the broadcast option here in the second week of the season? We will be at Manual for Floyd Central and Manual, hoping they have a little better turnout than they did against Bale, which last year was a pretty competitive game for the first half. So hoping the Highlanders can go out and Get it done at Manual, a tough Manual team this year. Absolutely. All right, Justin Kalen, thanks for stepping in. Zach Osterman was with us in the first segment today, so we're a little out of order here to start the week on the Hoosier Report, but glad you're with us. And a reminder, if you ever miss the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available basically wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you will find us there. We'll head to a commercial break. We're going to have a longer segment today with Chad Gilbert. When we come back, we'll talk more about the the week one game at the Boneyard. Packed house. And I know Chad Gilbert and Jason Hawkins smiling today as they begin their week after Charlestown's big win in front of a humongous crowd. We'll talk that, other local storylines from week one of high school football, and other local sports topics as well. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. A couple texts here. Uh, who won the slam dunk contest on Saturday? Jordan Geronimo was the winner of the slam dunk contest. I didn't get to see any of the footage from that, but I think I read it wasn't anything terribly impressive. Uh, but he definitely was the winner of the slam dunk contest on uh, Saturday night at the IU Fan Fest NIL deal at Assembly Hall. Also, Texter sends in FYI. Providence High School with 550 total yards of offense and defeated third-ranked team in their class in Kentucky. I don't have numbers, but it was a large attendance, as I have seen in a long time there at Providence. So good to know that fans coming out, uh, it looked like across the area, very good for Week 1 and good stuff for Coach uh, McDonald and Providence football in Week 1 of their season as well. We mentioned that uh, Bargetown Bethlehem highly ranked in Kentucky, so Providence starting the season with a win over a ranked opponent from the Bluegrass State. Chad Gilbert is my guest in this segment on Mondays. Chad is the athletic director at Charlestown High School and former coach in the area, also a member of the IHSA executive board as well. And Chad, uh, you share all when you join us from an AD's perspective here on Monday as we talk through local sports. And I know that you are thrilled not only for your football team, coaches and players, but from a financial perspective as well, you discuss how big these games are early on to help fund fall sports and to help maybe throughout the whole season of athletics at Charlestown High School. And you guys had, from everything I saw and what Justin Kalen told us a little earlier, uh, one of the best crowds that we can recall in area high school football. So congratulations. Matt, it was something that both teams – both schools should be proud of. They represented the area well. Um, they represented their schools well. The Charlestown community, Matt, there was a lot involved in that, you know, leading up to the week. You know, last week, the last couple of weeks have not been on my game, you know, just leading up to this because my, my radio game's not been as good as what it was because I've been distracted by the Silver Creek Charlestown football game. I knew how big it's going to be. You know, we had our logistics down with our police. We had ticket takers. We had, I've got two interns, Clint Jones and Olivia Bishop. Uh, Olivia's from USI, Clint's from UofL, and they're both getting hands-on experience about what it's like to be an AD. So last week on Tuesday and Wednesday, they went to Silver Creek and pre-sold tickets during their lunch. During their first lunch at Silver Creek, they sold 189 tickets. That's during one lunch. Silver Creek has four lunches. Uh, we did the same thing here. I sold tickets during our lunch, which we planned ahead on that one. We had, you know, just in the pre-sale tickets, we had over 1,000 tickets coming in. So we had a dedicated line to pre-sale and passes. That made that line go extremely well. Then we had three lines for walk-ups. And you, you think walk-ups now, it's $6. That's a little bit harder to make change for than what fives were. You know, a guy gives you a 10, you give him five back. Easy easy peasy. Well, now people are giving you six or, or wanting $3, or excuse me, want three tickets at 
six dollars, you got to do a little bit of math involved in that one. Math's not, never been my strength, Matt. The only thing I could do math was average my points per game. <laughs> other other than that, math has never been my strength. But with those guys, that being said, we had our best people on the gate. We had our teachers on the gate, and it could not have been any better. The weather was excellent. Um, and I think that plays a big part in your football seasons. I can remember three or four years ago, it was before COVID, seven out of the nine weeks it rained. And we we dodged that bullet. We had great weather, a great turnout. Again, the sportsmanship on both sides was outstanding. Uh, few hiccups, you know, that goes with any event that we will monitor, we will look at, we will evaluate, we will change for the better. And that's the one thing. It's, it's like coaching. This AD thing is when you run an event, you look at, after the event, what could we have done better? What was good we want to stick with? What's something that we might want to change? And the the one thing that I thought we did is I thought we put our our people in a safe environment. I thought we put them in an environment where they could cheer on their team. Uh, I, I couldn't have been more happier. I know Coach Hawkins couldn't have been happier. Silver Creek's beat Coach three times. Now, keep in mind on this one, Matt, we've not hosted this game for four years due to our stadium being reconstructed. So we were due to have a home game. And I tell you, our crowd was ready, our kids were ready, and they represented. And, you know, I'll give Coach Hawkins a lot of credit and his team. We looked really, really good. Yeah, can can you go Hawkins handle all of the chatter that's already beginning about this Charlestown team? I know, you know, Silver Creek maybe not the toughest of teams this year, but still, for reasons you mentioned, a huge win to start the year, but a lot of chatter about the Brownstown game on Friday and could this Silver team, could this Charlestown team who just beat Silver Creek, could they make a, a big run this season? So you've got a lot of excitement ahead of you. Uh, how's Coach Hawkins with all that? Well, first off, I wouldn't go to Mail and Floyd Central if I was you guys. I'd go to Brownstown. <laughs> because it is going to be, if you've never been to a Brownstown game, it's wild to begin with. And uh, they have a Hall of Fame coach in Reed May. And Reed, quite frankly, has handled us the past 10 years. We've got a couple of times that we, we've won there. Uh, a couple of times he snatched a victory out of out of us that uh, felt like we should have won. And if you don't think Coach Hawkins has this circled, you're crazy. Now, he's a veteran coach. He's not going to be distracted. I don't see him on Facebook looking at people, wanting to tell them how good of a job he did because those are the same people – Last year, when he was uh, four and seven, we're telling him what a bad coach he was. So I don't, I don't see him doing that. I see him staying focused, knowing what he's supposed to be doing to beat Brownstown. But that's easier said than done, Matt. I mean, I'm not a football guy either, but I, Brownstown runs the wing tee. I can't tell where the ball is half the time. They do a great job of hiding it. It's, it's almost like the Princeton offense in football. It's something that. You can't just watch a film and run. You've got to know the nuances inside and out. And Brownstown always does that, and they always throw a wrinkle in there. Um, excellent coach, uh, excellent fans. I feel like we've got an excellent coach. I feel like we've got an excellent fans. I feel like Friday night is going to be really, really exciting. And, Matt, we've talked about before, the schedule, you know, Southern Indiana football, Southern Indiana football. We, we all know what it is. However, you know, looking at the Pirates, we could be facing – Brownstown, Silver Creek, who was undefeated. Brownstown in week two, who's undefeated. Clarksville in week three, who will be undefeated. North Harrison in week four will be undefeated. And Providence in week five, who could be undefeated. So you want to talk about some good games, good tests, and good excitement for the fans, the players, 
and the student and the students. So it's something that'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to. Hopefully we get good weather. Hopefully we can stay healthy in football. You got to stay healthy. You know we talk about SEC football. It's you know the twos and threes. That's why uh, the farther it goes, that's why Alabama and such are so good. Is because Georgia they've got their twos and threes are a lot of teams ones, and injuries really come into play here. So we got to stay healthy. Uh, we got. I think we're good. We got to catch a break or two here. So it'll it'll be fun. I'm anxious for Friday night's game, Matt. I hope we get a big turnout up there, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think you're going to have another crazy environment. Of course, you'll be the visiting AD, so all the responsibilities don't fall on you there. But uh, I think it'll be another crazy environment Friday night at Brownstown, and kind of an ex- Matt. One thing. Sorry. One, one thing I do want to add on that. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is this is you know the 50th year of Charlestown football. So we've got some excitement building up to that. Uh, we were planning on doing the celebration during homecoming of the uh, North Harrison game, but we've just had such a big, you know, excitement about it, such a big turnout, such a big people ask about it, that we're just going to dedicate a, the last game of the season, you know, that we're going to have that out there and, and celebrate the 50 years of Charlestown football. So it's it's a lot of things exciting going on right now at Charlestown. Uh, and it's not just our football team. Our other teams, have, we've got great numbers out, Matt. We've got 191 athletes out at Charlestown right now. It's the most since I've been here. The crowd Friday in the football, the most since I've been here. Uh, it's just a great time, I think, not just to be a Charlestown Pirate, but to be a, a high school kid in Indiana and love, loving sports. All right, Chad, other takeaways from week one football. I know you keep a close eye on all the local happenings here in the area. I thought Providence had a great win to start the year. Clarksville as well. A number of highlights to take from the first Friday of uh, Friday Night Lights. Well, Matt, you, Clarksville, you know, that, that kid's ran for a ton of yards. Anybody, Anytime there's a guy who can run the ball like that, they're going to be a formidable opponent. Uh, Providence's game against a team in Kentucky, Mark Lambertus used to say it best. When you cross that bridge, it's like going to the twilight zone. You just don't know. Indiana, Kentucky, and all sports are just played different. The balls are different. Everything's different. So it's it's hard to gauge on where you are. And not to take anything away from that Providence win, that's a, that's a great win for the Pioneers. But it's just different when you go over there to, to get that one. We will see Providence in week two. And like I said, I, looking at them, I think that they will be undefeated when we go to Providence and play in week five. So there was a lot of excitement, a lot of teams getting after it. Uh, and that's not including no Jeffersonville who did, who had an off week, a bye week in week one, I guess you'd call it. And they'll come out this week against Seymour and see, see what they can do. I would think, is that game at Jeffersonville? At Seymour. It's at Seymour. Okay, so that gives uh, Coach Owens a little bit more time to rev up for that first home game because, you know, there's nothing like that first home game. It just brings out all the community, Matt. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest, he joins Mondays as we talk local sports. Chad, uh, one of the headlines from over the weekend, non-football, Romeo Langford back in town, and the doghouse court uh, at New Albany High School has been named in his honor. There was a special ceremony there on Saturday afternoon to recognize that. And the creation of a Romeo Reads program, I don't have all the details in front of me, but I know that that's going to encourage the uh, elementary students to get in a reading program and to read more books. And I can remember being part of a little Pizza Hut reading program that I think so many of us in, in my age group went through when we were youngsters in school. And it, you know, you had goals and you accomplished those goals, and there were awards and 
prizes and, and things at the end that uh, you enjoyed. So uh, I thought it was a, a good deal to see Romeo back and to see the court named after him. Of course, a young guy who's still trying to make his way in the NBA, but uh, what he meant to New Albany, the community, and the Southern Indiana community overall, those great years. You talk about crowds and memories, just amazing. So neat to see him back in the doghouse on Saturday for that floor to be revealed with his signature on it twice and his name right there in the center below the Bulldog. Matt, you're not going to find a bigger fan of Romeo Langford than I am. I don't know him, but I love watching him play. I mean, what an outstanding career he's had. Uh, you, we talked about our crowd out here. Let's rewind back. Think about the crowd Donnie Unruh dealt with for four years at New Albany. Every night was that. I mean, just imagine the one, how exciting that is. The two, how much planning goes involved in it. And three, how tired Donnie must have been each week after just putting that. Because you get by the one game, you've got game two staring at you right in the face, and it's going to sell out. Just but It doesn't matter who you're playing because Romeo's playing. It's going to be to the roof. So great years for the Bulldogs. And Romeo, uh, very well um uh, deserving of having the court named after him. I thought his signature looked really good on the court. I thought it looked like it belonged, you know, on New Albany's court there. It was part of the grand scheme. So I thought BJ did an outstanding job of mixing that in. I got to see that I saw some pictures. It looked like uh, Romeo's dad got to speak a little bit. Coach Shannon got to speak a little bit. Uh, Our friend Jerry Ayers at Zaxby's got to speak a little bit. So that was good for those guys and for Romeo to Talk about what it takes to give back to the community of someone who's an NBA, an NBA pro, a player, to come back. And I tell you, Matt, the pictures I saw of Romeo, my goodness, his body looked like an NBA player. You know, he was just strong. He was cut. Um, I think he's going to be healthy, you know, these next couple of years. And I think he, his best basketball is ahead of him. And I, I tell you, we're really rooting for Romeo to do a good to do good things and uh, have a prosperous career because, you know, what what he does for the community to give back, you know, that doesn't go unnoticed by anyone. And I had some people say, hey, why not save this for one of the big games or the first game at the doghouse this season? Well, obviously the NBA schedule, all the travel, all the commitments, I mean, it's impossible for him to get home even at holiday time. I mean, they play NBA basketball uh, on the major holidays. So uh, that's the reason for it being here in the summer uh, mixed in nicely with the start of the high school football season, I thought. But uh, neat to see that happen. You know, this is a huge year for him, Chad, with the Spurs. It'll be his first full year with the Spurs. He came in there near the end of the season, had some more injuries and things to battle with when he arrived in San Antonio. Only played in, I think, two games, three games maybe for the Spurs very briefly. Uh, But this is going to be a huge year for him as far as is he going to be a long-term NBA player? And will we get to see flashes or all of the Romeo Langford we remembered at high school when he's fully healthy. Uh, can he do some of those things at the NBA level? I, I think the key is is being healthy. He's got the God-given abilities. He's got the work ethic. He's got the skill work. Just needs to catch a break on his health. If he does that one, I think he's going to have a long NBA career. All right, good stuff. Chad Gilbert with me on Mondays. Chad, congrats on the big environment on Friday night. I saw the pictures, and I smiled thinking of you because I know how much that meant to you in Charlestown. And job well done on the big Friday night affair. No matter, I, I couldn't be more proud of our students. They did an outstanding job. As a AD, you know, 
our community, our fans was just outstanding. But as an alumni of Charlestown High School, you know, it gives me goosebumps talking about how people would come out and support our teams, and hopefully they continue to do that for all our fall sports, our winter sports, our spring sports as well. Matt, you, we talked about gearing up. I know you're gearing up for the Hoosier Hills Hoops League coming up here to Charlestown. We're excited to host you, excited to have you. You run an excellent league, and I hope everybody gets signed up for that event. Thank you very much, Chad Gilbert, with me Mondays here on the show. That's going to wrap up this Monday program. Back with you Tuesday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>